Welcome everybody to a new episode of PWI's Just Jersey. I want to take a quick second and say thank you for all the messages and DMs asking me when we were going to see a new episode of Just Jersey coming out. Uh, we miss it things of that nature. It just means the absolute world to me that folks are checking out the show and wanting more. And as we head into the summer here, that's exactly what you're going to get. Each week for the next three weeks, we're going to do a snapshot of what's happening in the Joshi scene. This week, Alex Richards from Stardom Quest came on to discuss all things stardom and the recent happenings within that promotion. We're going to talk pro wrestling waves, catch the wave tournament, uh, do a preview on that. And then a little one, two on the promotion. Uh, actress girls to keep everybody in the loop with uh, all things happening over there as well. I think we've waited long enough though. It's the Joshi Snapshot Episode 1 here on PWI's Just Joshi with me, JPQ. Pause on a pub JPQ, and with me again for the first episode of the Joshi Snapshot. Uh, once again, the hardest working man in Joshi, Alex Richards from Last Word on Sports, Pro Wrestling, Victory Through Guts podcast. Of course, Stardom Quest, everybody's favorite. Um, he's going to come in, help us talk about the snapshot of what's happening right now in Stardom, Wave, and AWG. Alex, buddy, what's going on, man? Ah, uh, you know, um, I've been inundated with wrestling, uh, as most people have been with with Golden Week, because um, I I decided to be a normal person for two days on the two days where there was like a dozen shows, and I'm still catching up. So, um, been a lot of wrestling. <laughs> it feels that way. I mean, yes, Golden Week, and we got a lot to talk about with that. But my goodness, it feels like every day there's two or three shows that we're getting behind in. Yeah, no, every time somebody's like, oh, this is a good match, I'm like, great, that's another one to add to the list. Fantastic. Put it on the queue. Put it on the queue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the case? We got to start with stardom, right? I mean, they're the hottest act going in a lot of ways. Uh, they're coming off a monster golden week. They're coming off a good to great Cinderella tournament. They, my goodness, they've had some matches. Um, they've had some cards this uh, this last month or so that have just been kind of ridiculous monster performances um a pay-per-views b pay-per-views the house shows have been great uh specifically this last week what do you contribute to the high level of execution we're seeing from stardom wrestlers uh right now um honestly i think a lot of it is just the the enthusiasm coursing through the entire promotion you know everybody's got their stories everybody's got the freedom to do what it is that they're trying to do and you know, they're all trying to work up and earn spots because that's the thing is those main event spots, they're there for the taking. If you're good enough, if you get over, if you perform at a high level, you're going to get 
chances. And I think everybody right now is scrambling for those chances. And it's really showing through in just every match from top to bottom with how well the wrestlers are trying to do. And, you know, credit to Rossi and credit to the talent is they always try to to give their, them like some storyline or some kind of something to bite onto that I think makes almost every match on every show somewhat important. Um, so it's just a really good combo right now of the talent being hungry, the the booker firing on all cylinders, and just the sheer amount of talent that's there with, you know, the home roster and bringing in prominence, bringing in colors, doing the the new blood stuff. Like there's just so much talent on these shows um, and they're all trying to do their best. It is amazing. I mean, it is a, uh, it's a platform for, for a lot of wrestlers, whether they're on the roster or not to be able to kind of show their skill set and either bring fans to their home promotion or at the very least bring fans into, you know, being a fan of them. Right. And uh, I think you're right. I think we do see a lot of that. I like that we're kind of well, done's probably the wrong word, but we kind of know what the roster is now, right? We're not teasing more people coming in necessarily uh, where they're working with a lot of people. There is no yeah, mystery person anymore and things like that. So now that we kind of have the roster set, at least in the, uh, in the immediate, now we're starting to see them begin to compete. Right. And, and to your point, it's creating some, uh, some good competition between the wrestlers to kind of fill the, fill the roles within the card. Uh, and again, I don't want to get opener mid card main event scene, but they're all competing to kind of one up each other to be noticed in a field of very, uh, talented wrestlers. So in that regard, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing that as fans and that's fantastic, right? Because the last, I mean, geez, two weeks, alone in stardom and we could back this thing up till march but just in the last two weeks we've seen you know what six different titles um uh, defended um we saw a tournament with uh we saw the cinderella tournament their big first tournament of the season uh come to a conclusion uh let's start there mirai with a huge tournament win in this year's Cinderella. Uh, were you pleased with the Mirai Koguma final? Did you see that one coming? What were your thoughts on it? Um, I didn't expect Koguma to win um, the, the semifinal with, with Suzuki. So that was a big surprise. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, it kind of made a lot of sense because I had said on Stardom Quest that Mirai and Hazuki is maybe a match that you want to save for down the line. Sure. So if Mirai was going to win, might as well put through the, you know, the high speed bear. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a pretty good match. Um, there was no real uh, drama there because Kogamo was never going to win the tournament. But, you know, the, the Cinderella tournament, that's what it is. It's always going to be a bit of a mismatch there with the winner versus somebody who definitely isn't going to win. But, the, I mean, the tickets have already been sold off the back of the tournament itself. So, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, once, you're, once you have the sellout, I guess the booking becomes second at that point, And you can kind of have a little more freedom to do what you want. Yeah, and I mean, we see it a lot with, with you know, tournaments in, in Japan, you know, because the tournament itself will be the selling point, And, you know, you can elevate a mid-card or an upper mid-card wrestler there into the final because, you know, people are already there. Did you like that they moved it, uh, stretched it over a month? Or after a couple of years, do you wish that they would kind of go back to the, the one-and-done, you know, day tournament, um, let's crown the winner and let's move on type of thing? So I preferred the one and done 
Um, I just look at 2019 and 2020, where in the space of a few hours, Arisa Hoshki and then Julia became stars. And there was just so much excitement around that and so much interest. And, you know, you see somebody win so many matches on the same day and you're like, oh, wow, they must be very good. Um, And I don't think you can have that same impact with the tournament drawn out the way it is. You know, I think if Mirai had beaten all these people in one day and endured this long tournament and there was so many surprises and so much shock, it would have had a lot more impact than it did. Um, But I mean, I can understand why they do it. You sell three shows worth of tickets instead of one, you know, and and it definitely makes sense. Um, But to me, the one and done thing, when done properly, was so special and such a really good star maker um, that this, you know, the expanded schedule just can't really compete with. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I would think I would want to see a rule change um, if we're going to keep the multi-event. Because again, from a business perspective, it makes all the sense in the world, right? Mm-hmm. You milk this tournament for everything uh, to sell out before they even know who's going on to the next round. Um, it, it makes sense. I'm with you that it being the Cinderella Cinderella tournament, it should be a one-night event that kind of marries with the name of the uh, with the performance. So. I, I kind of want to hedge my bet a little bit and say I'm with you in the sense that um, it does a great job of building one person on one night to build a new star and hold, geez, I wasn't paying attention to this person and moving forward, I have to. I think you can accomplish that in a three, four event tournament. But after the first round, I'd probably move away from the 10 minutes and over the top elimination because the first round, it's nice because you're looking for some upsets and you're kind of looking for that diamond in the rough to kind of move on and be a, like a little bit of a fan favorite uh, or at least a couple of them um, and then knock out some heavy hitters and you kind of get that ooh-ah kind of phase. After that, it feels like now we're in this thing to compete, right? We're going to see longer matches. We're going to see a more competitive field. And we're going to make this thing mean something more like, I don't know, the New Japan Cup more so than, you know, uh, a gimmick tournament, which is ultimately what it is. And I think if they went that route in time, I think that would be cool to see. Where I enjoyed the final, and I thought it was a good spot for Mirai, Koguma I thought was the right choice with regards to the decision of of Mirai winning, because I think it really kind of helped her look good. Like, Koguma does a great job of making her opponent look good, because (laughs) she's got the uh, ability to roll up pretty much anybody. There's always a little bit of a shock value to keep you on your toes, I think it accomplished what it needed to accomplish, but I could have used another five or six minutes and I would have been happy uh, with, with the results. It kind of felt like an afterthought with Shori and Himika behind it um, during the final. It didn't feel like, you know, that I was watching the finals of a tournament. It just felt like it happened. We crowned her. We're going to do the main event with the world title and then we'll bring her back out uh, in the dress and we'll get going with that. It felt a little segmented to me, which took away from it a little bit. Yeah, I can I can kind of get that. Um, to me, I wouldn't change the the tournament at all because the the rules and everything else are kind of what makes it special and what makes it stand out. Um, and if you move away from that, you do risk having to give away matches a lot more, um, which Stardom already does a lot. So you know they probably shouldn't uh, give more away. Um, so uh, while I can kind of see it, I think if you take away what makes the Cinderella the Cinderella, 
you might lose some of the impact of, of what it does. And also it, it might present a bit of a booking headache for somebody like Rossi, who does like to have kind of the surprise entrance go really far. That's a fair point. Yeah. I could see where that could, you could probably book yourself into a bit of a, bit of a problem over time, uh, burning matches that maybe you didn't necessarily want to burn. So then let's, let's move it back to keep the rules, move it back to a day. You know what I mean? Let's make this thing special one more time. And then yeah. fill in, uh, fill in the spring with something else. Uh, I'm with you there. Either way, good tournament, right? I don't want to get too much off the fact that the tournament was actually rather good this year. And Mariah this year kind of being able to build upon her work within DDM and then ultimately God's eye to where she is now. Cool. Now we got someone to pay attention to in the upper mid card, lower mid event spot moving forward. I think it accomplished what it needed to. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, in hindsight, Mariah was the perfect choice to win. Uh, they love her. They, they're really high on her. She's quite over. Um, and this was a landmark win to really establish her as, as a, as a real player. So even if I wouldn't have had Mariah win, I can see that it really did do what it needed to do. Yeah. Do you think it puts her as number two in God's eye moving forward? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I think that's a safe bet. I think it's a safe bet. With Konami, if Konami were to come back, you think Mariah keeps that number two spot or you think she gets bumped down and Konami moves into number two? Um, I think they're higher on Mariah than Konami because um, they can have Konami as like a strong number three. Um, yeah. but I, I don't think they've ever seen her as like number two in a group, even in, in something like TCS, it was always kind of jungle ahead of her, you know, even right. though they were both on a similar level. Um, but she was never really the clear number two, whereas I think Mariah is somebody that they have long-term plans for. Great. And even in Oedo tie, you know, once, um, where she was the number two, it didn't really, she didn't really take off the way you would expect a number two to take off. Yeah, that was that was such a weird group for a while there. Um, you know, <laughs> we talked a lot about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, like B was kind of the ace of the group. Toro was like the commander who who had no credibility, and then Konami was just kind of, you know, people just weren't on board with it at all. It was such a weird weird phase. And you got to bring Saki Kashima in to to cement that. It, when she's the one cementing the the team, you know, you probably need to mix some things up a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's uh, they're definitely in a better place now with uh, I would, Momo and Kate at the helm. <laughs> I would agree. Okay, so so let's talk some of the titles. Did get Future, High Speed, World, SWA, Goddesses, and Wonder Stardom uh, title match. Uh, we saw some good matches. So we had Hanan versus Hina, uh, Azumi versus Mesa Ruga, which we will talk about, Shori versus Himika, Mayu versus Tekla, uh, FWC versus Momo and SLK, Saya versus Mike. Before we go and we kind of break these down a little bit, what we like, what we didn't, uh, tell me, who, where were the world beaters for you out of these six? Which ones really stood out as like, this is next level, this is what people should expect coming from stardom from a quality of match perspective? Um, so FWC versus Momo and Kid completely blew me away. Um, I love tag team wrestling. I'm very upfront about my adoration of tag wrestling. You know, give yep. me like FTR versus Briscoes or even that FTR Young Bucks match the other week. Um, and I'm not a big Young Bucks fan, but like those matches were, were fantastic. And then you add this to the fold and just tag team wrestling has been delivering big time this year. Um, like that FWC versus Oedo Tai tag was, was something straight out of, you know, peak work rate era AJW with the pacing, you know, obviously not as, not as brutal as AJW where uh, <laughs> sometimes that got a bit too real. Um, 
but the pacing was just just amazing. Like it was almost nonstop for the entire match, and then you know Momo was kicking the shit out of everybody and kick, you know dropping uh, Hazuki on her head as much as she could. It was just it was a fantastic match, uh, and definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. Yeah, that one. I, I think I think I have to agree with you. I think that was my goodness. That might have been top top quality of the of the week week and a half that we saw um i'm also a fan of tag team wrestling this is no secret i mean you and i have been bonding over this um since we started talking a couple years ago joshi wrestling tag team wrestling you put those two together at a high quality there's a high probability that we're going to fall in all over it um this match kind of satiated everything that i enjoy about professional wrestling right men women you know joshi non-joshi whatever right it was just a good tag team match i like that you brought up pacing because i thought start to finish they didn't stop moving uh not a lot of dead spots not a lot of um downtime in this match i'm not great at going over move set to move to move to move or whatever the sequences aspect of it but if you watch this match that's what you will see you'll see a little bit of high speed mixed with a little bit of power mixed with a little bit of storytelling there with a little bit of joint work these four just figured out the formula on how to put on one banger of a tag team match. And it kind of blew me out of the water. I mean, if for a Wednesday, Thursday pay-per-view, depending on where you live, uh, midweek, golden week, co-main event with the wonder title coming, coming off the heels of a Cinderella tournament earlier in the week or uh, at the end of the uh, previous week, I didn't expect this to be this good. I like the story going into it. I like the rematch. It was a rematch that made sense to me. Uh, and then we get a title change, and FWC gets their titles back after no defenses from Team Oedotai, which kind of feels right <laughs> in a lot of ways <laughs> with the way they treat Oedotai, uh, even though it's Momo and Kid. Really, really big fan of it. Um, I thought that the SWA title, Mayu and Tekla, uh, just from an emotional aspect, of, of Mayu winning uh, the Grand Slam title, if we can call it that. Um, it, Saki, one of her very good friends, you know, warriors together since the inception of stardom, uh, was on commentary and there was some emotion behind it there. That was kind of like the feel-good title of defense, you know, that I, uh, that I love so much about professional storytelling. And then the Goddesses just comes on two matches later and just blows me away, right? Just absolutely blows me away. Following, now I'm thinking about it, a DDM God's Eye four-on-four elimination match with Mai Sakurai showing me that she can wrestle. Like, oh, hell there's yeah. nothing. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. That show on uh, Wednesday last week just kind of had a little bit of everything uh, and built towards that main event with the, with the Wonder. I got to tell you, I got to go Goddesses number one. I'll go SWA number two, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, for different reasons, but I, I think that's kind of where I fall, which is weird because we had the world in wonder also being um, defended within a week's time of each other. Where do you fall on uh, your second and third ranked matches, title matches? So my number two is Azami and May. Um, May Struga is one of the most interesting wrestlers I've ever seen. Um, there's genuinely nobody like her out there i guess mio momono is kind of close but even then there's enough differences to kind of differentiate them um and azumi is just you know she's she's an amazing wrestler and i thought that match was so fun and such a personification of everything that high speed wrestling is 
you know, I've, I'm somebody who's watched a lot of the, the Natsuki Taiyo high-speed era. Um, and this was something right out of that, just incredible wrestling done at an insane pace. So many near falls that you, you are believable, you know, because this is exactly the kind of championship that would change hands on a flash pin. So you mm-hmm. buy into those flash pins a lot more. Um, and just, you know, both of them just were were fantastic throughout. And I thought Mace Ruga really showed up here on, on probably the biggest occasion of her career. Um, and my number three is probably Saya versus Micah. Um, huge on Saya. I am huge on Saya. I'm ready to say she's the best wrestler in the world today. Nice. And um, Micah really showed up for it. Her, her offense was fantastic throughout. But I mean, Saya's big match layout is just so entertaining to watch. She just... She hits a certain point, and that's it. They're they're throwing bombs until one of them just can't go anymore, and it's fantastic to watch. The amount of stamina that uh, Saya has at the end of a match, right, to keep her mm-hmm. legs, so to speak, that counter roll into I'm sure I want to get the name wrong. Was it a blue thunder bomb or something? Like I don't know. I don't know what you call that. Um, then to hit the 450 splash and then follow it up with the Phoenix splash after. After what, 20 plus minutes of go time between her and Micah? Mm-hmm. I thought was fantastic. Saya Kamatani, um, as a champion, the way that she can sell for her opponent, I think is underappreciated by a lot. I think people enjoy the aerial aspect of it, that oh my God moment, the wow factor that is Saya, what she can do that nobody else can do in stardom, but really in a lot of ways, uh, women's wrestling in general. The way she sells for her opponent, I don't think people spend enough time talking about. I think she does a great job bumping. I think she commits to taking hard bumps. I think she prides herself on it, right? And Mm -hmm. so that aspect of her game, uh, I want to bring to the forefront because I agree with you. I think that was my number three, Saya versus Micah, main event Micah. Um, she hasn't lost a beat coming out of the Utami trios uh, set of matches last year, uh, the, the three matches they had last year. But I got to tell you, I think I like the Saya Micah match more than any of the Utami matches from last year. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I think I'm right when I say that. Oh yeah, no. This was this was probably the best performance that both women have had. Um, so definitely, I, I would put it up there as the as better than some of the Utami stuff. Yeah. To touch on uh, uh, Azumi versus May, real quick. What um, what I liked about it more than the execution, because I really do look at this as Azumi wrestling a May match, right? And I thought mm-hmm. that was cool because that's not what I expected. It felt like she didn't scout May well enough for this match, and I thought it was a nice kind of break from what high-speed matches in stardom have been um, over the last 18 months or so to bring in someone who's not, I'm not going to say unconventional because I don't think it's to that degree of uh, difference between what um, May does and a lot of other people, but it's definitely a May style, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Hashtag May style. That, that idea of her kind of gently mixing in comedic timing with high-speed uh, gotcha wrestling. Um, and then Azumi not being able to figure it out right away and almost looking a little dumbfounded or unsure as to how to counter that offense. And it worked to May's advantage for the majority of the match where it took a cheeky pin or, um, a cheeky roll up by Azumi to, to, to pick up the W and get out of there with her title. 
I thought that was just an, a fresh way of bringing eyes to the high-speed title that we haven't really seen from this title or uh, this title being defended in, in some time. Yeah, no, I mean, they definitely played into what May is, which I, I really appreciate because she could have just come in and had a standard high-speed yep. match, but instead they let her stamp her personality on things, and that really plays well off Azumi. Um, we all know Azumi has has so much personality, and she was able to bring that all out against May. Um, and yeah, they just they just worked so well together. They're they're just such a great pairing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Shori versus Himika. I feel like we should be giving them a little bit more credit and talking about the match that they had because it was good striking, which I know you're a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good power from Himika. The result was never in doubt, you know, yeah. which I think is kind of what kind of held it back a little bit. But from from the match itself, I thought it was a quick 20 minutes. I thought they were in there. They beat each other up. The intensity was good. I thought the pacing was good. Himika didn't lose, um, you know, her legs or her strength throughout the entire match, which was what I was kind of paying attention to because Shori will grind you down over time. I thought it was a solid defense on the world, um, um, on the defense record for, for Shori, but not one that I think I'm going to remember too much moving forward or, you know, when I think back about the run that Shori has. Yeah, it was it was such a, a typical Suri match. Like we've seen so many big Suri matches now over the last basically her entire stardom run that they they are very noticeable. Um and while Himeka performed well in that kind of match layout, it never really lends itself to being super exciting unless Suri has a challenger who can believably beat her. Um and Himeka just isn't that. So you know, both of them did their job really well. There was never that additional bump in excitement that made you go, okay, this is, you know, edge of my seat stuff. Um, and, you know, just that's that's the thing with Siri, I think, in a lot of her defenses so far is just she hits a certain level and that's it. And that's great. You know, if you can have a, a world champion who's going to go out there and just, you know, pass their way to a four-star match, you're, you're in luck. Um, but that's kind of what Siri's been doing I think since she won the title where matches are great, but there's not a lot of intrigue there that she can play off. And uh, it's basically up to her opponents to really bring them up to another level. Yeah. She is so far ahead of the pack with everything that she does that it's, it's like the person that beats her. Wow. Like you talk about, Mm -hmm you know, the quote unquote, the rub, right. That you get from beating somebody of the stature of Shori in the position that she's in the company that she's in with what she's doing right now and how she got to the title reign to begin with, with Utami last year, you're going to make a star, a superstar with whoever that is. I just don't know who's there and, and who's going to be the one now in the near future, climax at the end of the year, whatever. I don't know when that person's going to pop up and, and make that run. I'd like to think, I mean, Mayu's always there, but I don't think we're going to see Mayu uh, vying for that world title anytime soon. It's tough to see where they go from here with Shori. She's going to just keep collecting defenses. We know that, but who's the one that they build towards taking the title off of her whenever that might be? Um, if it's not Julia, 
I will be very shocked. Um, it has to be, right? It has to be. Yeah. Julia. We've all been waiting for that Julia Red Belt run for ever since she walked into the company, basically. So they <laughs> they probably need to do it sometime soon. I would hope so. I and I would love to see it. I mean, again, I'm a I'm a fan of Julia. I don't know if I'm a Julia Mark like some. I tend to like kind of stick at the mid card with my favorites. But uh she is, man. She's she's printed money. Um she probably makes the most sense moving forward. I don't think Momo's there um or she'll be built there anytime soon. I would be surprised if they dip back into the DDM well with Micah considering that she's kind of in this program with with the Wonder right now. It seems like the only viable option. It really does. Yeah, at at the moment, definitely. Um, I mean, look, if they lock down Suzu Suzuki or anything, then all that's are her. off. Yeah, yeah. Um, she beats Julia. You get her to move on. Now she wants mm-hmm. to take out short. I could see it. Sure. Yeah, she'd be the only one. Um, because I don't, I don't see any of a way to tie ever getting the red belt. I don't think Stardom ever goes all in on a on a heel world champion. So that kind of restricts what I think Momo yeah, and Kate. Unless can you're do. Kagetsu, but that's not. They don't have one of those right now. Yeah, no, and even then, she was kind of towing the line for the most part, so... Sure, good point. Yeah, that's a fair point. We know the five stars coming up, right? We know they need to get to something for Shori in the future. Now that the wonder is being defended between Saya, or is being defended by Saya against Mirai coming up, you would assume that the the five-star winner is going to go after after... Uh, the world of stardom championship that's mm-hmm. not till end of july early august usually it's may 10th the time of this recording who knows when it'll be released but it's may 10th now end of july five star begins what do you see happening in the interim uh in stardom um i think mostly i'm looking forward to um waka and her search for a win um, that's one of the best kind of low-key stories stardom has at the moment. Um, and I'm very interested in it. As somebody who has to watch all the house shows, she's generally one of the the key points of most of her matches. Um, hopefully prominence keeps showing up and they keep building the Suzu and Julia thing. I think that's one of the big things for for the rest of the, the year. Um, and maybe they go back to that Queen's Quest away to tie thing because both, both sides were teasing a, a disbandment match and then they kind of went their separate ways. Um, but maybe that'll that'll kind of be picked back up. Yeah. Do you see Cosmic Angels doing anything? I mean, we haven't talked about them. Um, do you think that they're just kind of now, I don't know, more on the marketing side of stardom instead of the winning matches side, now that Tam's kind of out of the wonder picture for a little while? Uh, do you see... Uh, Unagi, we could say, is going to get pushed, but she's not going to get pushed with any type of... Um, you know, title backed behind her, unless it's like a trios or something. Um, you see anything coming out of there uh, worth paying attention to over the next eight, 10 weeks or so? Um, it depends on how they do the, the colors feud, I guess. Cause you could really give cosmic angel something to do there. Um, if you want to do a couple of multi-woman tags against colors or even some branching off singles matches and stuff like that. Um, but aside from that, they, they are pretty much on the back burner until they decide to push Unagi. You know, Tama is where she is. She's been very open about wanting to retire soon. So I don't think you'll give her another massive push. So to me, they're just kind of there until they pull the trigger on Unagi. Yeah, I can see that. I like the fact that they're working with people outside of, um, outside of the roster to, to what we were talking about before. So one, we don't burn matches 
right? That uh, mm -hmm. that makes sense for different builds, but they've been going pretty hard the first five months of the year. It feels like the momentum that they're on is just they're kind of I don't know if one upping is probably the right phrasing, but they're they're moving. That train hasn't stopped. Um, you know, a lot of ways it's picked up. Knowing that the five star is kind of that proverbial push to the end of the year shows. This might be a good opportunity for them to just kind of wade in the water a little bit, right? You bring in prominence. You got Risa Sarah versus Shori. Potentially you have Julia versus uh, 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 Suzu um, coming up. Those are marquee matches. Uh, Colors is now involved and uh, uh, Cosmic Angels you know, potentially, you know, doing a, a longer program with them. We've got New Blood 2 uh, in the near future. It feels like we could be in for a little bit of a respite with regards to this build, right? And we just kind of plateau for a little while, and then we kind of reset going into the five-star. Do you think in the current capacity that Stardom is working within that that's a good move for them? Or do you think that this train needs to keep moving uphill? Um, I think this is great. Um, you know, Rossi was there in the 90s. He was a big part of the reason why AJW worked with, you know, JWP and LLPW and all that. And that era obviously gave us some of the best Joshi matches of all time. And I can definitely see Rossi wanting to do something similar now. Because Rossi isn't stupid. You know, he sees the talent that's out there. And he sees a chance to go, well, if I can promote a show where I'm going to have Saki against Tam or Suzu against Julia, people are going to be interested. Um, and I think there's no better person to manage that sort of relationship than him. So, you know, to me, it's a great sign for stardom. And I wouldn't be shocked if the, the scene as a whole, aside from obviously, you know, TJPW or Ice Ribbon, who kind of hates stardom, um, if, if everybody was moving towards some kind of, you know, Dream Slam type event where everybody will be showcased on a big stage. That'd be something we, that's, uh, we should probably go back and do a uh, breakdown that show from uh, earlier this month with like the, the, the mini super show that they did with all the Joshi promotions. Um, mm -hmm. But man, something like a dream slam right in June, five weeks from now, maybe not this year, but in the future, oof, that could be dangerous. I could see it. I mean, again, I, you know, I, I know people like to say that Rossi, the hat man is a bit of a poacher, right? When it comes to talent and, I think that's a fair comment. But the reality of the situation is, is that he's been the most accommodating, I think, um, in, in recent uh, memory with regards to working with other promotions when they're at the level that they are. You know what I mean? Like he could just easily just kind of put his foot on any of these Joshi independents and say, I don't want to work with you guys. You guys are too small. He doesn't. You know, if anything, he's shown a willingness to help build a younger crop. Now I'm sure that's self-serving in some degree, right? <laughs> you got to get a look <laughs> at the talent and say, I'm going to cherry pick this person and this person and this person. But uh, at the same time, it doesn't hurt him either. Yeah, no. And uh, like Rossi, the thing with Rossi is, um, you know, these promotions for the most part are run by his friends. You know what I mean? I doubt he yeah. wants Yoko in a way out of business. I doubt he wants to put, um, it's completely Yeah. He doesn't want to put Nagayo out of business. They're best friends. You know, why would he? And he knows as well as anyone that a healthy scene all working together not only makes more fans, more fans means more talent in the future, 
um, and more stars on the scene in general means more big matches that you can book down the line. You know, I, right. I, I don't think he's this horrendous poacher. I just see somebody who, I mean, if you're a, a promoter and, and Julia reaches out and says, hey, I want to leave my company, can I sign with you? And you say no. I think you're an idiot. <laughs> like Silly. you're the Silliness. dumbest person going. So like he makes signings, yeah, but he's not holding these women at gunpoint to to sign. He's just making smart signings. And where he can't do that, he's like, well, I'm happy to work with you. You know, there's give and take here. I'll give you this wrestler, and you can give me that wrestler, and we'll do a big match. You know. I mean, hey, Cosmic Angel showed up on a Diana show and pulled a time limit draw. How about it? Yeah. Good for them. So, okay, so starting, we've talked a lot, right? And I know we were going to. Um, there's only one promotion that we might talk longer about than Stardom, <laughs> which is completely self-serving on our side. Uh, and that's Wave, <laughs> Pro Wrestling Wave. Catch the Wave tournaments coming up. Um, it has started. But again, as of this recording, we've got about five or six hours until it shows up on Confetti uh, to purchase the first day. A lot of cool things happening. Akarushita is wrestling on that card. She's not part of the tournament, but she's there um, to do like, I think it was what, a 90, 90 minute, 105 minute match, yeah. uh, hour and a half, hour and 45 minute match uh, as the opener. Um, and then we got the Catch the Wave blocks. Now, for those of you that don't know, this is a block tournament. Um, there is five blocks this year, four in each, so 20 participants all together. Uh, every block has kind of a different theme to it. We'll go over those in a second. Um, the way it works this year is the, what the, the block winners plus three. Uh, so, so eight people total move on to the next round. They do a round Robin it within your block. You have the best record or the most points. You then move on to what I'll call the second round as well as three people from the remaining blocks with the best records and or most points then move on as well. And then over the course of, I think it's July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, there's another two-block round robin, which then ultimately leads to those block winners um, duking it out uh, for the title of Catch the Wave champion. Um, 20 people, five round, or excuse me, 20, 20 wrestlers, five blocks, future block, strong arm block, hardcore block, comical block for me, kicking block for you, Alex. How excited are you for Catch the Wave? Uh, this is um, this is the, the the tournament of the summer, you know. Um, forget Stardom. Stardom is dead until Five Star. It is Catch the Wave season. Um, the you know the talent is is here. Uh, last year, this tournament delivered so many great matches, and uh, this year, there's potential for even more. You know, they've got so many really really good names involved here and a lot of unique ideas. Um, you know, having two stages of blocks is is brand new as far as I know. Um, but that just gives you more cool matches. And who doesn't like cool matches? Agreed. Agreed. I am I'm ready to hang 10, friend. This is uh this is gonna be a wild ride, that's for sure. And uh, it's a Breaking. long one too. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's gonna be forever long, which is good. Because again, it started, it's almost two months. I think it's seven weeks this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um let's start with the future block. Uh we have the newest signee to wave in Kohaku, um, formerly Shindo. Uh, from Marvelous Fame, and she is probably destined to win this block in a lot of ways. But then you got Susan Suzuki, who kind of falls in uh, in this block as well, which makes sense given her age. 
doesn't make sense given kind of her prestige, I guess, through her career up to this point. Uh, Rico, or excuse me, Rico uh, Kawahata, who's coming off, she's like a little, she's just a little opener grinder right now. You know, it feels like every indie show, she's on it within the first three matches. Che <laughs> Zora um, is in at number four. And then we got uh, Umasaki from Diana uh, rounding out uh, uh, this group. I think there's five in this group, right? Yeah, oh, so there's there's 25 this year, not 20. I don't know why I was thinking two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so it's okay, okay. So okay, I'm gonna have to go back and future block five, strong arm five, hardcore four, kicking four, comical four. So what's the math on that? 22, 22 participants this year. Um future block, Kohaku, Suzu, Umasaki. Those gotta be the three favorites coming out of this block, yes. Yes, definitely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kohaku and Suzu already wrestled um, in, in Kohaku's comeback match, I think, in, and it got the main event spot, and it was great, um, and Suzu won. So I, I definitely think Suzu is positioned ahead of Kohaku for now and will probably win the block. Um, but Kohaku will probably get one of those, you know, best runner-up spots, I would say. Um, Umasaki might beat Kohaku out, but, the, you know, Wave seems to really like Kohaku, so... Yeah, a signed wrestler. They typically tend to press their own a little bit. I could see it. Um, I think this is one where Kahaku gets her win back during the block. Suzu sneaks in as a wild card, takes her out during the tournament on the second stage. That would be cool. I think they wrestled on the opening day. I don't actually know the result. I didn't keep up with it. Um, I haven't either. I've been. I've tried to stay spoil free, knowing that we're twelve hours away from something that happened a week ago. Um, Again, in the world of Joshi, that's just normal for us, by the way. Um, it's an interesting one. Future Block this year, you know, the fact that we have two or three um, that kind of separate themselves, and that's no offense to uh, Azora or Kawahata. I just think that from a, you know, from a class perspective, you just got a higher ceiling with the other three moving on at this point, given what they've been able to do and wave up to this point, where they've come from, and what their status is within... I guess at this point, the independent community, it, I feel like two of those three are going to move on and we'll see a future block member in the wild card, which is always fun. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I can definitely see why you would separate the three. I mean, uh, Umasaki is, is a, a tag champion in Indiana, uh, yep. used to be a wave tag champion, uh, might still be, I can't remember fully. Um, Suzu, obviously, former world champion in Ice Ribbon, and Kohaku, somebody that Wave is high on, versus Kawahata and Azora, who maybe will get a draw in an opener, but generally are, are losing matches. So, I mean, the, there's definitely a, a big difference there in balance in the booking. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think there's uh, something a lot of paid attention to with the future block, which is refreshing because sometimes people look at the, the future block, rookie block, whatever you want to call it. And they kind of check out. In this case, there's a lot, a lot to pay attention to, as uh, as this tournament gets started. Let's move on to, let's talk about the strong arm block. We'll say kicking for the end. Um, strong arm block. My early most improved player because she's healthy. My early, you know, um, sixth woman of the year. If we're going to keep the basketball thing going during the playoff season here, uh, you is phenomenal. This. 2022 year first five months of the year i've been so impressed with how different 
of a wrestler she's been compared to last year. Last year she was battling some injuries. She came back from an injury. Uh, her conditioning wasn't there 100%, and I mean that with all due respect. I think she just lost a little bit of a step, didn't know what to expect coming into 2022. And I can't tell you how many shows I've watched over different promotions, whether it be Sendai, uh, Seedling, you know, name them. I mean, they're all the same. They're all, they work every goddamn show. Um, Wave, she's just been so compelling to watch because of the power she brings, the speed in which she works, the agility in which she has. I think, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying this is a breakout year for her, because that might be a little overstated, but she's definitely leaps and bounds better this year than she was last year, and it's making me want to watch shows that otherwise I may not because she's on them. Wow, that is that is high praise. Um, yeah, she's, she's somebody who sadly last year kind of fell off a bit. Um, she did have the injury at the end of 2020, and, and she didn't really come back fully fit. Um, but she's been a revelation this year. You know, her chops are as fantastic as always. Her powerhouse stuff is great, um, but she's definitely moving a lot better than she was, and her matches definitely have a much better pacing to them than they used to. Um, I, I think she challenged for the seedling belt late last year. Um, yes. And it was just, it was such a, a plotting match. You know, her and Anarchy tried, but it just wasn't going to work. And you compare that to you versus Leon from earlier this month for the, the pure J belt. And it's just, it's two different wrestlers almost, you know? Yep. Um, so, you know, good, good on you. Um, she's definitely been one of the better wrestlers of the Joshi Indies this year. Um, somebody who's been in one of my favorite matches of the year with uh, team 200 KG against the, uh, the Raywa ultimate powers, fantastic tag match. Um, and you know, she's, she's doing a lot of good work. So, uh, hopefully she gets some shine in this tournament. I hope so. I really, I don't know if she's the one to come out of this block, so to speak, but I do find, uh, man, I do find her to be just incredibly, you know, fun to watch. Yeah, she's just got that raw power to her. It's not anything crazy. It's like, but when she hits the lariat, she doesn't move a lot, but you move. Plus Hoda put her over on her shoulder block in the last seedling show. Hoda putting anybody over at this, at, at this point is, uh, it is a testament to how well you're doing in my eyes. So love to see that as well. Um, everybody's favorite. I say that tongue in cheek. It's Gialki. My favorite is Gialki also in the strong arm block. I guess that makes sense based off her, her moveset. Um, it feels like she's going to be fodder uh, for, for, for the rest of this block here uh, a bit. I mean, I, and you got Sasamora there, but I think that's what we, she ends up in this match. I, maybe she gets one or two or one interesting win. Other than that, I think she has good matches. Iski Alki, do you expect anything other than that from her in this block? Um, I actually had her some uh, sneaking through to, to the, the second block. Um, Fantastic. Tell me on it. <laughs> I think Wave likes her is, is the big thing. Wave definitely likes her. And now she's, you know, tag champion and marvelous, which I think carries a lot of sway. You know, her, her and Rin beat to, you know, however we may feel about them now, two AJW veterans, you know, two people who won titles in the biggest Joshi company ever in, uh, you know, Ito and uh, Watanabe. So she's coming into this with with a lot more momentum than she used to have. And I think uh, there's a few promotions now who might be ready to push Aoki, just even if just out of respect for the, the three AW tag belts. So I don't see her winning the block. I think that's the Kase's. But I could definitely see uh, Aoki 
kind of slipping through with one of the uh, the best records spots. I could see it. Um, I would love to see it. Yeah, again, I'm a fan. I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of Isky. So if she can pull that off, maybe in a wild card position, maybe as a block winner, I'd love to see it. I think given you and what she's been able to do, Takasa, that we're going to talk about next, I, it's going to be an uphill battle. But maybe there is some, uh, you know, some way that some pathway that she can get get out of this block and into the second round. Speaking of Takase, let's move over to her. Wave catch the wave champion last year. Um, went full freelance this year, uh, coming off the injury. Um, not how I thought she would have been booked, mm. albeit I'm a dreamer, and I just assumed that her cachet in AWG would would carry over into uh, into the independent scene. Hindsight being 2020, I could see why where she's absolutely in a good position uh, within card placement, match. Uh, importance uh, match ups with who she wrestles. It just doesn't feel like she's getting that big signature win that you're accustomed to uh, when she was AWG champ, actress uh, girls champion, and or when she was just the ace of actress girls in general last year. I'm a little surprised. I feel like I shouldn't be. Alex, talk to me off the ledge here. Is Takase going to make it to the next round? What has been your thought on her through the 2022 season so far? Um, so she's, she's definitely a complex one because she doesn't feel as special as she did. You know, I thought she would walk into Sendai Girls and Pure J and immediately be a main event level wrestler where they kind of brought us back down to earth very quickly with that. Um, they sure did. And, you know, she's maybe going to win some tag belts, um, which is, is kind of, you know, definitely not what she should be doing when there's somebody as talented as her. Um, but she's definitely still having great matches and that's kind of the key there. She's still somebody with importance. Um, and she is somebody who for wave, you know, if she's available, you're definitely going to keep using. So I can, I imagine that, um, she will be a big part of wave until they can't use her anymore for whatever reason. Um, and she's, she's definitely going through here, but, uh, I don't see her repeating the tournament. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think given given where we are in the landscape right now, for her to go back to back, where it would be a fantastic accomplishment. I just, you know, in a, in a weird way, and I mean, again, I mean this with all due respect, I just don't think she's looked at as being at the same level she was last year with regards to protection, right? Like, I think she can afford to take some losses, and I think we're going to see that kind of shake out. Maybe she gets out of this round. I think she will make it to the second round. I don't think she makes the final. We'll see what happens with with Takase as we move forward. Uh, rounding out the strong arm block, I'll be. I think this is a good block for her. By the way, I think there's some good matchups in here uh, for her. Uh, we got Ayame Sasamura, who this is an interesting one for me. Uh, I'm glad she's part of it. I enjoy her work. Um, this th this is the pin eater of the group in a lot of mm -hmm. ways, in my opinion. Um, you know, but overall, you know, I sit there and I go, this is a nice. What is it? Two APW? Is that how you say it? Uh, a wrestler or two AW wrestler who puts on solid matches. 
I think that's I think that's fair to say. I think she has very consistent matches. I enjoy her. I think she's a great tag team partner. Maybe not the leader, but the second in a tag team. Um, we've seen her on the indie scene, and Wave treats her really, really well. But she she's got to lose. She, there's no way she goes on to the next round. Like, I just I'm trying to be you know me. I try to spin things on the positive. I just don't know if there's a pathway for her to get out of this block, considering who else is in it. Yeah, no, Sasamora is um, somebody who's been good ever since I started watching Joshi. Like, anytime you see her in a tag match, she's going to get beat up, and she is going to make it interesting. Um, But, you know, the scene as a whole, just for whatever reason, isn't interested in pushing her at all. So she's going to lose all these matches and do her damnedest to to have a a good showing, regardless. Um, I think so. But, you know, if if she might get a draw or something, but I, I don't even think she wins any matches. Yeah, I could see her going over three. I could see it. Maybe mm-hmm. a draw. Maybe a draw. Maybe she goes one and two. Um, yeah, I just think four years in, still part of that rookie status. You know, I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see some great showings. I think from the people that watch, catch the wave uh, start to finish, I think they're going to have, she's going to make some new fans for herself, which again is pretty much why you're here. I think it's good exposure for her, but I think it's more of a learning experience than it's time for her to take the reins. Um, you know, and that's our strong arm block. So, so strong arm is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, good, strong styles. We should see a lot of um, power moves, good move sets here. And now we start to get into some of the specialty blocks. And this is what makes Wave so fun because, you know, you're just looking at... The, depending on what block you're watching, you know what kind of style of match you're going to get. And knowing on any card during Catch the Wave, you're going to see many different types of styles. Uh, it's just exciting. So I'm interested in how Wave decides that they're going to take care of their hardcore block. Now, I know that there's a rule stipulation um, in place. I don't necessarily know what that rule stipulation is only because I didn't want to venture too deep into spoilers uh, given the first night. Saki from Colors, um, Risa Sarah from Prominence, Yumioka from Wave, Yuki Miyazaki from Wave as well. Four wrestlers. I'm not going to say everybody has a hardcore pedigree, <laughs> albeit they've been part of the, they've done some hardcore matches. This is lining up. Very nicely for Risa Sarah in a weird way, Yumioka as well. And then you got this wild card in Saki. And I'm terribly intrigued on what the leader of uh, Girls Pro Unit Colors is going to do in the hardcore block against the likes of Arisa Sarah. It's probably the most intriguing uh, placement for a wrestler within these blocks. Uh, Alex. Tell me, what should we expect from Saki in, in hardcore matches three in a row? Um, I'm almost expecting her to go a comedic route and and maybe like beat people up with a with a bear or something, you know, like a stuffed toy. <laughs> as, as the again and yeah. Later. Like yeah. I, I can't see her uh I can't really see her going out there and bleeding or, or hitting people with chairs. So if, if she wanted to play it for comedy and that'll be how she, you know, loses her matches without losing any credibility, I think that'd be cool. Um, but otherwise I, I have no idea. Like unless she starts booting people with chairs or something, I've, I've I'm not too sure. Given the participants, um I gotta imagine that we're gonna get more slapstick hardcore matches than hardcore hardcore matches, right? This has gotta be like the plastic fork spike ball 
that we saw from Prominence's um, teaser show, more so than light tube fan we saw mm -hmm. at the end of, of Risa Sarah's Ice Ribbon Run, right? Like this isn't Rina Yamashita versus Risa Sarah hardcore block. I am 100% agreeance that with maybe Yumi Oka versus Risa Sarah kind of pick it up a notch. Um, Yuki Miyazaki has a little bit of that in her. I could see a little bit of uh, ferociousness out of her. She's more of a comedy wrestler. Yumi Oka really is more of a comedy wrestler. I think Yumi Oka can match Risa if they want it to go a little bit more. Um, I don't even go serious. If they just want to go a little bit past comfortability with uh, with what I think this hardcore block is going to be. Overall, though, um, I think it's interesting, and I think we're in for... And again, I, it, depending on the stipulation, it might answer it for us, right? It might be something where it has to be no sharp edges uh, type of weapon. You know what I mean? They really put uh, Risa Sarah at a, at a, in a difficult position. Right. And, and because wave tends to be a little bit on the softer side with regards to that kind of stuff. If, if that's the case, I think this is a perfect spot for Saki to highlight, uh, a wrinkle in her game that we have yet to see, at least at a level that, um, at, at least at a level in a tournament style. Yumioka, I'm a big fan of, I expect a whip, um, just because that's her tried and true. I don't know what to expect with Yuki and what she brings to the, to the table. Um, I know we got a hardcore night or hardcore round on night one. A lot of those questions will be answered either way. I think it's a fun stipulation to kind of break up or, uh, it's a, it's a fun theme to a block that kind of breaks up, um, you know, a lot of the conventional wrestling that we typically see coming out of catch the wave. Yeah. I mean, the, the plunder stuff is, is pretty whatever to me at this point. Um, as a wrestling fan, I've seen it all. So I don't know if this block really super interests me unless you know Miyazaki and Sarah go full on deathmatch which would be cool um or if somebody says that Saki does go the comedic hardcore route but um yeah I don't know this this block seems pretty strange but I mean if you're into plunder then it'll be a nice kind of difference on on a, any given show where you're going to get all these different kinds of matches and that's really what Wave does very well is, is that kind of variety um but I'm just not sure how well the matches are going to be done unless like yumioka goes full oz academy mode and is like dragging people around with a chain or something like that i could see it i guess i could see saki just getting beat up and not want to be in these matches but still figures out a way to pick up the w every time just trying to survive the block not a bad story to be told i don't know i think there's a lot of questions to be answered my hope is is that it's better than not um but it's definitely a question mark right to pay attention mm -hmm. to as we go through Go through the tournament here. Um, let's jump to my favorite, which seems to be a lot of people's not favorite, uh, the comedy. Comical section, uh, comical block here on Catch the Wave. Kori Aniyama, the goat. Sakura Hirota, the goat. Hibiscus Me, the goat. And Miyako. <laughs> um, coming in and... Um, I don't think I've seen her in Wave. And I'm still relatively new to Wave. You got me into Wave last year. I'm watching the catalog back from like 2012 currently uh, over on Redleaf, but I know she's a comedy wrestler. I also know she's a little bit of a deathmatch comedy wrestler. This this block lines up really well for shenanigans and shtick, two things that I am I just love, not just about the Joshi scene, but in wrestling in general. I think you got some great timing uh, between these four. I think they can do some really special things that we've probably seen before, but uh, nevertheless are timeless in their own right. 
Corey Aniyama, Hirota, Hibiscus Me, and Miyakoko, or Miyako, where do you fall on this? I, I got to imagine that you're going to be a fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've got four absolute geniuses here in this block. They, this is going to produce some of the weirdest wrestling that Wade has ever done. <laughs> I, I can guarantee it. Like, Sakura Hirota and Hibiscus Me are probably dreaming up the weirdest shit ever as we speak you know game block, bro. <laughs> yeah like that that hirota match where like hirota versus hibiscus might be the best wrestling match ever like un- unironically might be the funniest thing i've ever seen in a wrestling ring so there's so much to look forward to here um and i, I know you'll probably mention it later but there's a stipulation on this block where yes. if the match hits the 13th minute everything has to be done in slow motion which mm-hmm is going to be just i can imagine miyako matsumoto doing her uh like she goes up to the top rope and lifts her leg up <laughs> to do her her leg drop and i can just picture her having to do that in like slow motion and then missing or something and it's going to be the funniest thing ever hibiscus me mid song hits the 13th minute and now she's just <laughs> in slow motion like yes but she's not gonna not finish her song like there's so much good potential with this. Uh, with And again, in a lot of ways, it brings a lot of levity to the card, right? Again, as somebody watches start to finish most most shows, you need a little bit of a power cleanser, right? You got to have fun with professional wrestling. And when, to your point, and you said it perfectly, when you put these four legends in the ring, these four geniuses in the ring, and then you put a step like 13th minute, hey, you got to go slow-mo if it takes too long. There are people that you and I know that are going that are seething looking at this this block which kind of makes it just that much more enjoyable <laughs> because we know that for as much enjoyment as we're going to get out of it there's people out there that are going to look at this and just loathe it which is just going to bring that much more satisfaction uh into these types of matches i can't wait for the comedy matches uh, looking briefly at night 1 i don't know if we have any Comic, uh, any of these matches on the first night, I maybe one. I, I think it's two futures, a hardcore and a strong arm, but don't quote me on that. No, uh, Nozaki's on the first night, so there's definitely a kicking block. But when we get into the heart of the comedy matches, I just find this to be this is going to be something else, and it's just going to be so much fun. And again, so much variety, um, to pay attention to as we go through this block, as well as how it falls on the card. So I, I'm terribly excited. I can't wait. <laughs> I absolutely cannot wait. Um, okay, let's end it with your favorite kicking block. Um, man, it's a murder's row in a lot of ways. Um, let's start backwards and work our way forwards. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, uh, Alex, because I know that this is, I mean, again, when it comes to strikes, but more importantly, when it comes to kicks, there's nobody better than the, uh, I think everybody's favorite, uh, Aroha stand to tell us <laughs> about the people in the kicking block. So Hikari Shimizu, just from the way I laid it out, uh, is at the end. So we'll start with her. Tell us about her. Tell us what she's doing. Colors, GPU colors. Uh, you know, Former tag team champion. Uh, number two behind Saki. Tell us. What do you expect out of her? Come catch the wave. I think this is her second year in it. So I, I think she's going to do really well. Um, Ever since I first saw Hikari in, in Actress Girls, she has she's just re- been really good. You know, not only does she do kicks, but she does a lot of kind of you know unique kicks. Like she does the the kick in the corner where she runs up the rope. Um, 
yes. and they all have very good sound and she's very good at playing you know the the underdog because she had a weird path in actress where i think she got hurt for a long time so they gave her like a big trial series and then she got hurt and then she came back and was still kind of doing the proving herself thing so she's been it's very accustomed to to fighting with a lot of fire for for a long time now and that's really come through um you know her tag team with saki she's obviously learned a lot from saki and you know if if you're looking for somebody who's going to have these short enough very good matches where there's a lot of impactful strikes you know hikari shimizu is the one she's done a lot of tag matches lately so these are all going to be very fresh like um she hasn't had a lot of singles matches so it's going to be really fun to see her in there with with people like Nakamori and people like Nozaki who will be able to lead the match but also play into her strengths as an underdog. I could see it. I think that Hikari is destined for uh, for really nice things. I mean, she was wave tag champion for a little while, took the belts off Rin and Nitsuki, uh, uh with Saki. Um, I, I think she's protected in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, sure, she'll lose some matches. And on the single side, you know, she doesn't have the reverence that others have. But I think that this could be a standout showing for her. I don't necessarily think she, she's got an outside chance of coming out of this. Actually, there's probably a good possibility that she does. But the reality of the situation is, is that Hikari Shimizu um, is going to impress people. And I think she's going to have some of the best moments in this block over the course uh, of the three matches. So, or one, two, three. Yeah, I had to make sure I count on this time. Uh, within the three matches that she has, a lot of good things for her. I'm hoping for big things. I'd like to see her move on to the second round. I think she's deserving of it uh, this year. And to your point, her creativity with how she strikes and how she kicks, I think is a big step in the right direction uh, with regards to people paying attention to who she is. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Nakamori up second. She, uh, and she's kind of a world beater in her own right in a lot of ways. You know, she kind of takes care of the undercard, maybe not, elite level yet but she finds herself in a decent position on 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 joshi cards uh she's not winning any main titles anytime soon but she seems to be pretty consistent with where she is how do you think she fares in a block like this um you know my personal bias has nakamori as one of the the best wrestlers in the tournament um i've loved her ever since i first saw her you know anybody who's seen the arisa nakajima matches knows how stiff she can be and anybody who's ever watched her her high-end stuff in pure j knows that she can go at a very high level still um and, you know she's one of the better veterans still around the scene but outside of pure j she definitely doesn't get a lot of respect in the booking so you know i i could see her maybe finishing second in the block but not going through, you know, she won't have one of the best records. But, you know, she's a veteran, so I could definitely see her beating Sai and, and Hikari Shimizu, but I doubt Wave will let her beat their uh, their champion, even though she will have a fantastic match with Nozaki. I have no doubt think, about it. Yeah, it'll be, it's going to be a monster match. I mean, that's, I mean, I've spent a little bit of time on Nakamori, because you're right. Super impressive. Um... Yeah, super <clears throat> engaging uh, to watch. Um, she definitely has a presence to her that makes you want to pay attention. But right now, Nagisa Nozaki is just on a different level. I mean, she's kind of a monster this year. They've really put her back, um, you know, at the at the top of the top of the food chain. She's having a great five months. I can't imagine that that she doesn't win this block.
I don't know if we see much surprises. I know we like some surprises in the catch the wave. I wouldn't be surprised if they just keep her protected and she goes three and zero, and she just moves on to the next round and dominates her way uh, there. Yeah, I mean, it went like considering the, the the how respected the other people in the block are booking wise, that Nozaki going three and zero isn't wouldn't be super shocking. Um, like Wave is generally a bit better about you know surprises than that, so I, I she might slip up once or twice, but um. Yeah, I don't. I can't really see her uh, losing any of these matches. But I mean, she she deserves it. She has been amazing all year. Um, for the longest time, she was somebody who you know people either really liked or really didn't like, and she would sometimes have bad matches, or she would be bad in a good match, you know, where she would just very noticeably drag it down. Um, but just these past few months, she's really put it all together. And not only does she feel like a star, but her performances in the ring. Have been nonstop fantastic, um, and she would definitely deserve the the spotlight era of of kind of going far in this tournament. Um, and she's been a credit to Wave, really putting them on her back and then kind of carrying it as the champion this year. So I expect her to have some good block matches. She might be the MVP of the tournament when all is said and done. But um, yeah, I mean, she isn't going to win. They're not going to have the champion win, but she she's definitely advancing from the block. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that she's she's moving on. Um, it just it seems like a no brainer to me. I don't think that uh, I don't think that's in question. I think that's almost locked in at this point. Um, let's talk about say. I I don't know much, right? And I think I have a pretty good track record of not speaking about people that I don't know much about. Um, tell me about her. What 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 don't I know? Um. There's not a lot. She's a weird wrestler in that you will see her pop up in the most random spots. You know, if you, if you ever look back through her her match listings, she's just in some of these completely strange matches, completely strange spots. Like she was booked in JTO earlier this month on a or last month, and she teamed with Maya Yukihi and Siori Anu. And you're just like, one of these is not like the other. You know, like. <laughs> she's just she's she's a regular in this place called yan yan gase pro wrestling or something so it's clearly a local promotion um and you know she's she's pretty solid anytime i've seen her and she actually used to be all like in Kaliga all the time remember when Kaliga was a thing i do remember <laughs> that. that was a big deal that was hibiscus me got her you know that was that was her promotion last year yeah no they they wrestled a few times um but like she's just i don't know she's she's a pretty low level indie wrestler who generally gets drafted in for these like random tags and then just disappears like she's been in wave a few times over the past couple of years but she's just a one and done um like i know last year she randomly challenged uh aoki and katakura for the tag belts with somebody called konatsu who i've never heard of before so like <laughs> She's just this completely low-level indie wrestler who will occasionally pop up in big tag matches, and you're just like, "All right, that's that's cool, I guess." Um, so you know, it, it's going to be fun to see her wrestle three times here. I don't know if I would consider her a a kicker for a kicking block, but you know, maybe she'll try. Maybe she'll try. That's all you can ask, right? Throw a couple. You throw at the very least. You got the the orange. Uh, what's his name? Orange Cassidy um, kicks to the shins just to just to say you did it. Uh, we'll see what happens with her. Um, yeah, I don't know much about her. I'm excited because, again, anytime I can watch anybody new, I'm on board. So don't know if she's a wild card based on that description. After talking about it, maybe Hikari's got a little bit better of a chance than maybe I gave her credit for, not knowing much about Say. 
We'll see what happens in the kicking block. What do you see happening? We've spent a lot of time talking about waves, so I'll, I'll kind of expedite this part of it. Who do you see coming out as the winner of Catch the Wave 2022? Um, so my initial guess, and the one I'm going with, is Yumioka. Um, they haven't mm. done her versus Nozaki for the title since maybe 2019 or 2020, and that's a pretty big match in uh, in Waves kind of status. So, you know, they've protected that title match. Uh, Oka did beat Nozaki earlier this year in a singles match, so she does have that kind of built-in win. And they've kind of fairly protected her so far this year. She's kind of been given a lot of singles matches, and she generally either goes to a draw or she just wins. So with how strong they've been keeping Oka and the fact that they haven't done her in Ozaki in a while, um, I think she could win and uh, they'll they'll do maybe one last big uh, Yumi Oka versus uh, Nagisa and Ozaki match. I love that. Keep it in wave, wave versus wave. I'm uh, I'm on board with that. I think I think that's a solid bet. I think that's a good. <sighs> she took mine, um, which is fair because I kind of stole it from you a month ago when we were talking about it. <laughs> so that kind of works out. Um, I think I'm going to ride the hot hand, um, at least mine. Um, when I like a wrestler, I double down on them. I think it's Yu's year. I don't necessarily think she takes the title off Nozaki after she wins Catch the Wave. However, I do think that um, she finds her way through the strong arm block. I don't think she runs into Nozaki in the second round. And ultimately, I think she picks up the W, depending on how they do it. I mean, if it's another one of those, you know, if it's a singles match for the Catch the Wave, cool. If it's three people for the catch the wave, then maybe Nozaki's involved and you picks up the W and pins somebody else. Who knows? But the reality of the situation is, is that I think Yu's hot. I think she brings a dynamic um, that's that we're not seeing right now in, uh, in Joshi. It certainly isn't new. It's just power and agility. And I think she's doing the best with it right now. I think use your catch the wave 2022 champion. Yeah, no, she'd be a good choice. Um, she'd obviously definitely give Nozaki a good match, and that would be a nice kind of wherever they have it, presumably at a cork. And I think that might, you know, sell a few tickets given how you is a fairly kind of big enough name in the uh, the Joshi scene. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I would be good. I think Yumioka is probably the route that they go. I think that makes sense. But I think as a 1A option, because I, I do think of it that high, uh, let's throw you in there and let's make some noise. Um, okay, so let's move on. Um, final segment, AWG. Now, a little tumultuous end to their 2021. Thought they were shutting down, did shut down, brand split. They're gone. Oh, wait, they're back. There's something different. It's a theater aspect, professional wrestling. I'm, I know people and I talk to people that are fans of AWG. I have yet to dive in full throttle into it. I feel as if I'll be different. I'm missing out. So Alex, please enlighten me, enlighten everybody listening on PWI's Just Yoshi. Why should we be paying attention to AWG? And what are we missing that they've been doing so well over the first five months of the year? So I think one of the big fun things about Actress is they're very well known as a producer of talent for stardom. So one of the cool things is you're going to get to see the debut likely and development of somebody who is going to go on to become a big deal in the Joshi world. And I always think that's fun. I think a lot of people love that about wrestling. It's why people used to love NXT. 
it's why some people love the indies. You know, people always like to be first to see the next big thing. And I think part of the the joy of actress is seeing who has the potential to go further and who maybe is going to go back to their their day job, you know? Because um, ultimately, a- AWG is just giving entertainers an extra gig, you know, giving them some extra work, doing some, you know, idol-style pro wrestling. And if they're very good at it, they might get a career in wrestling. You know, that's that's kind of where, where AWG comes in. So it, it, it's just really interesting in that sense because you had a couple of the the former AWG regulars, like you have Marie, um, Mika Aono, me, and I think Ayano Irie all stuck around through the changeover. And um, Ayano, or not Ayano, um, at least three of those four throw really good strikes, <laughs> okay? And um, Mar- Marie, I think, trains everybody and does everything, and she throws the best kicks. She's a cool ninja. So, I mean, if you like cool ninjas, check out Marie. <laughs> um so she's training everybody. And of course, they can't leave any marks because they're all entertainers. So you're not allowed to like physically hurt these people and leave a bruise. So they have to go for sound over everything. And that mm. makes strikes sound really good. And the strikes are also done really differently. You know, they do a lot of leg kicks instead because obviously that won't show up. They do kicks to the back. They do obviously forearms to the to the chest. And even when they do big boots, they're hitting in different places. And it's always just kind of interesting to see how they're wrestling in a different way so that these people can go about their day jobs doing, you know, modeling or singing or anything like that. Um, And I kind of liken the energy to something like early stardom. You know, if you've ever watched 2011 stardom, it's a very eager bunch of women there's a few veterans and obviously the veterans are different here. You know, there's no Nanai in AWG. There's no uh, Fuka training them to be killers. Um, But, you know, you have these girls who they aren't good wrestlers, so to speak, because obviously they've only wrestled like three matches, but they have an enthusiasm and they make up for their weaknesses by hitting really good strikes, by having short matches, by just kind of keeping it simple. And I think if you're somebody who just wants to sit down and watch a nice 10 minute match where somebody's going to throw some good kicks and you're going to see somebody, you know, who maybe you've never seen before and they're going to surprise you. It's a fun promotion to watch. I'm not going to say you're going to get five star matches or even four, four star matches anytime soon, but it's something very different. And you might be the first to, to, to see the next big star in, in Joshi wrestling. So, you know, if, if you're like me and you really like strikes, you're going to love a lot of the matches because everybody does really nice sounding strikes, you know, and the, the veterans like Aono and Marie lay them in. They kick the crap out of these, these girls. Like it is very good to watch if, if you're kind of into that stuff. Um, if you, if you like normal wrestling, uh, maybe not for you because they don't do, you know, big bombs or anything like that generally. Um, but there's a lot of kind of good basics to work off of and, it's just different and they they play to their strengths you know there's nobody there's no square pegs and round holes here everything is square peg in a square hole everybody does what they're good at um the the variety of faces are different because people aren't available for all the shows people are always debuting people have fun gimmicks you know it's it's just a very interesting place um and it's kind of tough to describe sometimes until you've watched a show and seen a squirrel lady come out to wrestle and team with uh, the former Yasukawa, who is now a bunny. You know, <laughs> like it's, 
it's not until you've seen that that you go, okay, I get it. Definitely worth something checking out. I like it. There's good buzz behind it, I think, for what it is and what people thought was going to happen with Actress Girls at the end of the year. To know that you know they're still pressing on, uh, onward, forward, I think it's something worth checking out. Alex, we've talked a lot, right? We did the stardom mm -hmm. bit. We did Catch the Wave review. We did a little one-two on, on Actress Girls. Um, this is just the beginning of what the snapshot of Joshi's looking like uh, almost mid-season here. You're covering it fantastically. Uh, you're always, every time I wake up, and this is, if you go, for those of you that don't know, um, Alex is over in, in Ireland, not to dox him, but he's over in Ireland and I'm over in the US. So when things happen, he's got a five-hour beat on me. And part of my daily up uh, or house cleaning or housekeeping when it comes to Joshi is to go over to Alex's Twitter and catch up on all the news and highlights coming out of Japan uh, and Joshi wrestling specifically. If you're not following Alex yet, make sure uh, to hit that follow button on, on Twitter and any other socials you have. Alex, where can people find you on the socials? What do you have coming up uh, with all of the work that you do in every capacity? Um, so the, the Twitter at is uh, at L-W-O-S-P-W-A-L-E-X-Or. Um, I made that a long time ago. It's very bad, um, but it's too late to change it now at this stage. <laughs> um, and I, I tweet a lot, so, so do, do be aware of that. Like you will, you will see me tweet a dozen times a day. Every thought that enters my head goes on Twitter. That's just how I, that's just how I roll. <laughs> um, as for projects, um, the main thing is Stardom Quest. You know, that's kind of my baby. Um, me and Dylan, I love doing it. Dylan's amazing. He's one of the most interesting people I've ever met, um, especially when it comes to talking about wrestling. We keep you up to date with stardom every week, you know, and I think if you're a new, even if you're a newbie to stardom, I think you can listen to this and we'll be able to help you understand the promotion a bit. You know, we, we have had people kind of tell us that like, hey, I'm, an, I'm a new fan and I love listening because you guys kind of really help me understand what's going on. And that's what we want to do. I... I want to make sure that anybody who wants to love Joshi can love Joshi. I want to help you do that as, as best I can. Um, and generally that, that takes place in audio form. You know, I have kind of moved away from writing about Joshi a bit because there's a new, there's a whole new generation of people writing about Joshi, like Scott really Edwards. Like I'd put Scott over till the day I die. He is one of the best writers I've ever seen about Joshi. He's so passionate about it. Um, and there's, there's people like him who are, who are kind of taking the flag that I started a few years ago. Cause I've been writing about Joshi for over three years now, you know, yep. back when it was just me and maybe bell to bells and some random Mexican blog, like I've been doing <laughs> it a while. Um, so I have stepped back from it. Not fully. I, I am going to review, I do review stardom shows over at voices of wrestling. So if you really want to know what I think of them, you can check them out there. Um, if any cool Joshi projects come up in the future, I'll definitely be in, interested. But uh, for the most part, it is Stardom Quest and also Victory Through Guts. If you're interested in learning about AJW and classic Joshi history, uh, me and Dylan started in 1990. We watch every single show possible from every single month so you can see how the scene changes as we head into the kind of cross-promotional boom. So if you're interested in that, check out Victory Through Guts. Um, but if you just want stardom, then stardom quest is for you. Quick shout out, by the way, to uh, Sakasa Fujimoto and, and Arisa uh, Nakajima for two outstanding 
uh, singles matches back to back days, one in ceiling, one in ice ribbon. Um, I know you're a big striking fan. We've talked about that real quick. Give me, give me 10 seconds. How phenomenal were those two matches uh, from those two? Uh, the ceiling one is my match of the year. I think that's fair. I think it's a monster. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, I like the ice ribbon one too, but my goodness, that ceiling one, uh, top notch, man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, five stars and quote unquote, all that stuff, but top quality for sure. No doubt about it. So Kush, enjoy your retirement. We'll talk more ice ribbon next week as part of the snapshot. Uh, hopefully their five, four show is up and running at that point, but I'm not sure we've got Parker Klein from wrestling observer, uh, F4W online coming in. He does reviews for AEW and, uh, and he's going to come in to do a uh, Nomads preview, um, which is an exciting time in the world of independent Joshi wrestling, as well as discuss all things Ice Ribbon. Alex, always a pleasure. One of my favorite people to talk on Joshi wrestling. Obviously, this has been the first episode of The Snapshot. We'll see you next week.